Stay tuned for Wine Crush, Northwest Wine Stories, Uncorked. Welcome to Wine Crush, where winemakers tell the stories behind the vine. Thanks for joining us here on Portland Radio Project. Today, host Heidi Moore will guide us through two distinct wine stories. The first has its roots in something all of us here at PRP love, music. And the second truly demonstrates how with the art of wine comes family, friendships, and good times. We are talking with Dave Spector from Bells Up Winery today. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So I had the pleasure of coming up to the winery a few months ago, pre-harvest for sure. Back in better weather days. I don't know. This is pretty awesome That's right true. now. The, the weather is pretty fantastic right now. But I sat down with you and your lovely wife, Sarah, and you told me the story of Bells Up. So, yes. So I want you to tell us the story now, oh, all of absolutely. us, the story of Bells Up. So Bells Up Winery actually started back about 12 years ago, back in 2006, at a time when we were not expecting to someday have a commercial winery. Uh, we started making wine as a as a as a hobby project um we were living in cincinnati ohio uh back then uh my wife had her own business um as a freelance marketing consultant and i was working as a corporate tax attorney doing mergers and acquisitions which sounds super fantastically fun every day. Oh my gosh, it's it's a laugh a minute and you can imagine how much fun I was at parties back back then. Funny when you start making alcohol how much better you receive just in your own friends and social circles, you know. So I'm not uh, it, it's been a great step upward, but you know, we just kind of started it. It was our 5-year wedding anniversary. We were we were just kind of looking for a couples project to do. Um and so we started by a, of all the dumb things by going to a supply shop and getting a kit in a box. And they get you follow the step-by-step simple instructions. And I'll be darned if I just didn't start getting hooked. And it didn't take too long before uh, I was ready to start working with actual grapes. And and we would get sort of grapes from wherever we could. You know, when you live in Ohio, getting grapes isn't always terribly easy. Um, But we were able to get some from some nice vineyards in the northern part of the state, as well as Finger Lakes, New York, and then some from California. And I just became more and more fascinated with the idea of, you know, how do you do this? How do you, you know, make these amazing wines that we've, you know, always been drinking, but, and admired, but, you know, never really at the time thought about how you actually construct them. And then we started taking wine vacations. And then in 2008 was our first visit to the Willamette Valley. We spent four days uh, roaming around and just taking in all of the amazing scenes and wines. We really fell in love with it. It felt more like home than anywhere we'd ever been. And, you know, back then there were probably 250, 300 wineries, you know, half the number of wineries that there are now. But what you really got the opportunity to do back then was talk to the people that owned it, that did all the work. Um, And, you know, for somebody who was just getting started, it was just an amazing opportunity to expand my own knowledge and then to see, you know, kind of hear their stories and what they had been doing before that. Um, For a lot of people, it was second careers. And so kind of based on that, you know, after that trip, uh, Sarah and I thought, you know, that might be fun to do someday, you know, in 20 years when we're ready to retire. We never thought it was going to be this soon. Um, But within a month of getting back, uh, Sarah's professional mentor at age 40 was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer. And with three young children and a husband, you know, we saw this just amazing woman just, you know, fade away over the next few months. And we came to realize very quickly that, you know, life is too short. 
way too short to spend it doing a career that you hate. Um, and I was not happy with, you know, I, I love the people where I was, but I wasn't happy with the work. Uh, sure. And we made that decision that we were going to at least give it a shot. Um, and try and see what we could do. Uh, but we also understood getting into this, this was going to require a lot of upfront work on our part. So um, I spent the next three years working for a little urban winery uh, in Cincinnati, learning how to scale up uh, what we were doing. And that's kind of how we got our start. Uh, after that, we moved here to the Valley uh, and bought a little property up uh, on Bell Road, just outside of Newburgh and started producing our wines in 2013 and opened the doors in 2015. We've been rolling forward ever since. That's fast. You didn't waste any time starting and moving and vacationing and everything you did. And all of a sudden, you're up and moving and going forward. I want to talk to you a little bit more about the Bells Up in just a moment. We'll come back and talk about your wines, too. Support for Wine Crush comes from Country Financial Insurance, offering simple steps today to solve big problems tomorrow. For more, go to countryfinancial.com. When we started, we talked about what Bells Up means, and coincidentally, you moved to Bell Road as well. So tell us what Bells Up means, because it has a musical background. Sure, exactly. I, I suppose I, I should just go back real quick and start with the, our idea of branding was obviously based around the music theme. I was a French horn player for about 20 years, started in junior high, played all the way up through college, and you know I was in the symphony and the wind ensemble, and yes, marching band too, which is why my knees are shot after all these years. But anyway, that became our way to, of branding it, um, and we didn't want to name it after ourselves. That was sort of the big thing, because we, we see all the time, so many wineries are named after the owners. And we thought, you know, just from a marketing standpoint, it's the easiest way for people to forget who you are. Name it after yourself. Fortunately, the music theme has that benefit of, of being, you know, a big part of our story. And, you know, I think most people can identify, even if you're not a, a big classical music fan, the idea of music and wine are, are certainly universal. So I think folks can identify with that. So that was our theme. We didn't have the name picked out until we ended up on Bell Road. And then, uh, you know, once that happened, I thought back to my musical days. And and I remember that the term bells up uh, is a term because normally when you're playing the horn, um, you're in a seated position. The bell of the instrument sits on your right leg and you play uh, with the valves from your left hand. But every so often you get this moment when the composer wants to create a little dramatic flourish. And so there will be a little notation in the horn score that'll say bells up. And it's at a time when the music's getting louder. And when you hit this point from the audience's perspective, you'll see the horn players lift their bells in the air. And it's the horn player's time to be the front and center and, and the focus of attention, which we don't get very often. Normally, we're sort of the soft, mellow middle of the symphony. But in those moments, you know, you really get that opportunity to shine. And it was just such a wonderful opportunity to use that as our name. You know, it's short, it's catchy, uh, it ties in perfectly with the location and the road. We then carry that theme through. All of the names of our wines are for uh, pieces of music that are, shall we say, French horn heavy. Uh, so a lot of horn uh, featured in every one of them. Uh, uh, we have used names like Villanelle and Titan and Firebird. And, you know, uh, you know, I think a lot of the music people have probably heard at some point, even if they don't necessarily recognize the names off the top of their heads. But uh, like I said, I think it gives us a nice little advantage. It 
gives a great visual. I mean, the whole visual of the symphony and the flair that's going into your wine is just, it is, it's perfect. It's a really nice meld of of two or three pieces of your life all coming together. So speaking of the wine, you brought us a really nice Pinot. It's the Titan. It's the newly released 2016 that you have, right? It's a beautiful wine, beautiful color. It is tastes Thank you. fabulous. And Let's carry into the rest of your wines. Yes. Um, we've always said from day one that the uh, the Pinot was going to be the most important thing that we did, but it was never going to be the only thing that we did. Uh, so what I brought you today was the Titan, as you mentioned, which is our, our flagship. Um, it's our blend of two very small vineyards. Um, at this point, our estate vineyard, uh, we are only using starting uh, last year and then again this year to do rosé um, because the vineyard's very young. It's only five years old. Now, next year, when that vineyard hits its sixth year, we're going to start doing estate Pinot as well as the rosé. In the meantime, uh, the other wines that I make right now, we do a Pinot Blanc, we do a rosé of Pinot Noir, and right now, and well, forever now, that's the one that's going to come from our our estate. And then we do a Syrah on the other side for reds, uh, and we pull that fruit. That's the only one where we don't get the fruit locally. We go to northeastern Oregon, Milton Freewater, literally right across the state line from Walla Walla, Washington. Um, and our Syrah is pretty special because I don't make a Syrah for Syrah drinkers. I make a Syrah for Pinot drinkers, so it's lighter, more elegant. And the other thing that we're very excited about is we brought a grape with us in from Ohio called Saval Blanc. It's a white grape. We are the only planting of that grape here in the valley. I would have brought some today, but the 2017 harvest only made two cases. Uh, young vines. Oh, so no. it, they, they, Well, no, it's okay. They're young vines. They've, they've got some room to grow. Um, this year, it looks like it's going to make about 15 cases. So it looks like we're going to be able to do a club only release with that one. So we're very excited. That'll get released coming up here in the spring. So I'm still working on it, but it looks great, tastes great, flavors are awesome. We're excited. Perfect. Well, thank you for talking about the wine. I'm really excited about the new one. I'm going to have to join the club or at least maybe talk you out of a bottle one way (laughs) or the other. Come back up to the winery. Uh, We will be right back with more of what Bells Up is up to. You're listening to the PRP Podcast Co-op on Portland Radio Project at 99.1 in the heart of Portland and streaming worldwide at PRP.fm. We were talking about Bells Up Wine and what the name means, but now I want to get into how you visit and, and the difference in your tasting room versus some of the others. Sure. So so we are very, very small. We're only, in fact, this is going to be our highest production year uh, that we've done, and that's up to 500 cases, which may sound like a lot, but it, it makes us the smallest winery in our in our area that, that has its own tasting space. Because we're so small, we are not open regular hours. We're open by appointment. And what we see, you know, sometimes is that there are some folks that get, you know, a little nervous or a little, uh, you know, a, a little freaked out about calling a winery and making an appointment or emailing a winery. You know, they they may have the idea that there's some sort of secret exclusive thing or that they have to be some sort of a wine expert. You know, it's just the opposite. You know, I, I would say, you know, for folks that are listening, please don't ever be afraid to call or email a place if you're interested and, and make an appointment. Uh, you are going to have the best experiences at those places because you are going to be taken care of by the people that are actually doing the work. And it's harder and harder to find those places these days. It's rare when you get a place that's open regular hours nowadays where you're actually getting to meet, you know, the folks that are heavily involved in the creation of the products and of the brand. You know, for us, 
being open by appointment really gives us an opportunity to sit down with everybody that comes in to our place and really get to know them on a one-on-one -on -one basis. Uh, the way we do it, it's very simple. You call me, you email me, info at bellsupwinery.com or 503-537-1328. Just check the website. Just tell us when you want to come in and we'll get a spot for you. Um, you will be the only people there. I don't double book appointments. You know, part of what we've said from day one is, you know, we're not going to, you know, we're not going to say we're going to book three groups in at once and combine them together. We want everybody to have their own time and attention and the opportunity to ask a million questions. It's okay. You know, that's what we're here for. When, when we visited here, there were a lot of winemakers that listened to my very newbie wine questions and were amazingly supportive, never made me feel, you know, like some kind of adult because I didn't know as much as they did. And so, you know, I really took that to heart and we pay that forward for everybody that comes in and sees us. And I will say from, you know, my own experience, it was very intimidating when I first did that the first time, but it is the most fantastic experience. And when I came and saw you and Sarah, it was the same way. I mean, we sat down, we had a beautiful table setting, we went through a ton of wine, we talked about everything under the sun, and I learned a lot, which I think is super important when you are in wine country. It, there's Everybody does things a little bit differently, and it's nice to hear it from the horse's mouth, so to speak. Oh, absolutely. You know, we've said from day one, our goal in this was when people come in, we want you to feel like you're coming to visit friends that just happen to have a winery. So, you know, the, the other thing the by appointment model does is it gives us the opportunity to not talk over your head. You know, we, we see so often you can go to a tasting room and you can be presented with all kinds of technical information, which if you're into it is really interesting. Thing, but for most folks, you know, they're at very different points on their, on their, you know, div uh, where they are in their wine journey. And we can talk to you on whatever level you're on, you know, and, and I say, we encourage you, you know, it's part of our job is to help, you know, it's not so much education, but to fulfill your curiosities. Which, which is fantastic. And I want to wrap up really quick and make sure we talk about your events because you always have something fun up your sleeves. Oh. Well, in in as as we get through uh, the holiday seasons, you know, we start looking forward to next year, and you know, we we will be taking appointments all through all through the winter. Um, you know, of course, weather permitting. Um, but uh, as we get into the into spring, we'll be looking at starting up uh, things like winemaker dinners next year, um, as well as some great club events and some good release events as we get into the spring. Um, but our winery has an amazing view looking south throughout the valley, panoramic. As you can get so even in bad weather you can see you know the the sights and the and the the overall experience because we have our tasting table set up right in front of the windows uh the panel windows to the south so you'll get an amazing view no matter what the weather and we have a lot of great red wines to pour for you right now I can pour you a few special things so we'd love to see you perfect so excited to come back up thank you for joining us dave we'll be back up to bells up soon my pleasure thank you Support for Wine Crush comes from Country Financial Insurance, offering simple steps today to solve big problems tomorrow. For more, go to countryfinancial.com. Welcome back to Wine Crush, the podcast for wine lovers. Say hello to our second guest today, Chris Helbling from Whiskey Hill Winery. Welcome, Chris. 
Thank you for having us. Thanks for driving again all the way across the metro area. It probably had the best commute ever. It's pretty awesome. No traffic. Yeah, no kidding. So Whiskey Hill is not just the name of your winery. It's the name of the area and it has some history to it. So let's go back to the beginning of Whiskey Hill and how it all fits together. Well, uh, it goes back quite a ways. So my wife and I met between eighth grade and freshman year of high school. And for the record, she kissed me first. Um, but uh, so we knew each other all through high school. Uh, she hated me. Our best friends dated. Um, and between our freshman year and our sophomore year of college, she came around and uh, decided we, she liked you. Yeah. And it, and everything kind of went from there. No, uh, <laughs> about a year and a half later, we got married at 21. Um, and so very young. Um, now four kids uh, and a winery. But anyway, uh, her parents were lifelong farmers. So her parents farmed uh, all over the Lima Valley, hundreds of acres of custom stuff and um, basically any row crop you could think of. So everywhere from um, wheat to grass seed to strawberries to corn, um, everything. Uh, and so about 2001, they wanted to have her sister's wedding out there. So they go through um, and it was this gorgeous event. Everybody loved it, family and friends. And so they had a couple more family and friends weddings out there. Uh, and then it turned into a business. So uh, my wife started helping when she was in uh, college and uh, it kind of took off. So the state and the county came out eventually and they're like, hey, funny story. Um, you have to have permits and licenses to do this stuff. Uh, and so uh, they went through that process. And at the time, uh, in order to use exclusive farm use land for a commercial purpose, you had to be considered a winery or a couple other things. Um, so they picked winery as their track. Uh, and that was basically defined as 15 acres of grapes plus produces wine, but the produce wine aspect was really loose. And so it was basically like if five gallon bucket of grapes ferments in the corner, it counts. So that was kind of the idea. Uh, Interesting. Yeah. So 15 acres of Pinot and in, uh, it's all Dijon 115. There's nothing else there. Uh, except for now, now we have of this bigger picture together. And so, yeah, it just kind of, as the name says, it's like chemistry and like the vineyards, the vin winemaking team, um, even the vineyard team mm -hmm. together. Yeah, we all have to come together to uh, really our vineyard team goes out and sources the fruit and then the wine is made collaboratively. And then when we come to blend, we all come together. And as you can imagine, having four winemakers in a room together, there's a lot of opinions. <laughs> I can only imagine there's a lot of creativity as well. So where does the creativity start, stop, and how is that kind of dealt with? Oh, wow. I think, I mean, I would say part of it comes from Jason Tosh outsourcing a lot of the fruit in the vineyards. He knows the Willamette Valley so well that he kind of knows where to source really quality, well-taken-care-of fruit for these wines. And for me, it really starts there. And then I know... Ben and Melissa have a lot more say on the day-to-day -day winemaking of what happens with that. And then I feel like maybe me and Kate get to come in at the end and just kind of help tweak and like be a part of like the fun blending stuff. Um, Definitely think that's where the creativity can be imparted. Uh, I think there's some latitude with winemaking, definitely. Um, but at the end of the day, when we're having bits and pieces from all, all over the Willamette Valley come together and we can have a chance to say, no, I think this wine speaks to having a little bit of this element and a little bit more of this wine. And I think um, that's our chance to, you know, put our thumbprint on it and be creative. I love that answer. as a great answer. And we're going to talk about the wine that has engulfed all this creativity here in just a second. 
Hey, thanks for listening. Why not head over to iTunes and write us a review? We'd love to hear from you, and it helps others find out about our show. For new episodes of Wine Crush and to discover other PRP podcasts, check out the PRP Podcast Co-op at prp.fm. Okay, ladies, it's time for the wine. We have three bottles sitting in front of me. We got a rosé, which we've already, I think, finished the bottle. We've um, <laughs> Not dropped quite, in, but almost. Almost. And we've dropped into the Pinot Gris, and I believe there's a Pinot sitting there. So what is Chemistry Wine doing? Is it just these three, or is there something more? And why are these wines different than what maybe you're doing at Shehalem or Stoller? Other than the creativity of all of you coming together. Um, I'm sure, like I said earlier, Melissa could probably touch a bit more on the blending of the day-to-day and why that is a bit different. I mean, from a Shehalem side of view, it's definitely a snapshot of the Willamette Valley as a whole that I think is really important to showcase. And um, especially at this affordable price point, I think it's such a good gateway kind of wine to get people interested in you know, nerding out a little bit more like at Stoller or Shehalem and what we have to offer. So I'm sure you can expand a bit more on. I think that you touched on it perfect. And this is the same way I see it is that this is an offering from the Willamette Valley more broadly. And again, Shehalem and Stoller have been so focused on these estate vineyards that have this presence and this, this terroir and this, the meaning a flavor profile in our estates. And now we're stepping more broadly and we have the rosé, which is all Pinot Noir, a Pinot Gris, and a Pinot Noir. All three of them are sourced from numerous different sites. So you get this nice broad sweep of the Willamette Valley. And our intention with making these wines is to make them with some transparency. They're not overstyled, any of them, meaning, let's say, the Pinot Noir, for instance, we use a pretty judicious amount of new oak. So really what's speaking is the fruit. During fermentation, we're not looking to draw too much tannin out or have them pick too early so they're light or put a whole bunch of new um, oak on that. We want to show this broad vision of the Willamette Valley in all three of the wines. And so that's what we talk a lot about when we're blending is how are these wines going to be approachable, transparent, and balanced? And that's really the goal for all three of them. Go ahead. From a day-to-day standpoint, we are so focused um, at Stoller and Chehalem about expressing the land in which our grapes are grown, right? So we spend all this time thinking about this is Stoller and this is Shehalem and it becomes an identity. And so to create an identity of the Willamette Valley is pretty uh, remarkable for us, for us to come together and say, this is, you know, Eola Amity, this is McMinnville, this is this. And to have all these personalities come together, I mean, that really speaks to the wine. It's kind of finding the synergistic point in which all of them kind of talk to each other and speak. Well, and I was going to ask you what the vision was kind of starting this, but I think you guys just beautifully answered that as far as, you know, what these wines are. And it is a snapshot and a picture of what the Willamette Valley is and the beauty of what the Willamette Valley is. Because you have the Cascade Foothills and you have McMinnville and the Van Duzers, and they're all different fruit from different terroirs in different areas. And so to be able to do that in a non-pretentious style, which I think is great because there's that's it's intimidating when you have these big brands. This is beautiful. I love it. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, it can be intimidating and expensive to drink wine. So I think this is, I mean, really exciting. You know, my 
family loves wine, but my dad, one time I was like showing him around trying to be all fancy and be like, look how cool my life is and blah, blah. (laughs) And he's like wandering around kind of aimlessly. And I was like, are you bored, dad? And he was like, no, I just haven't had a wine I don't like. And so it's like, that's not that that's for that person, but it, some people just aren't interested in spending $50 on a bottle of Pinot Noir or interested in where the soil comes from or anything mm. like that. So I think this is a great way to just show Oregon makes amazing wines and it doesn't have to cost $50. Yeah. And it's, it's approachable. It's your every night, every day <laughs> drinking type of wine. And it was specifically designed to be that way. So we wanted something that we would want to drink as winemakers, but we wanted to be, have it to be approachable for the general consumer as well. Yeah. And I think that's huge. I mean, especially if the winemakers are wanting to drink this and this is, you know, the snapshot of it, that says a ton about the wine. And we're going to kind of touch on a few more pieces in here in just a second. And you guys got a lot of cool stuff going on. So we're going to talk about that too. Support for Wine Crush comes from Country Financial Insurance, offering simple steps today to solve big problems tomorrow. For more, go to countryfinancial.com. Okay. Well, I have a few more minutes with everybody here, and I want to kind of touch back on the foundation and the vision of what chemistry wine is and the fact that this is a day drinking piece for everybody. It's a wine that everybody can drink. I know as I, being a non-drinker of wine, um, three years ago, I was all beer. This is very enticing for somebody like me who was afraid of wine three years ago because it's cheaper for me to go buy a case of beer um, than it was to buy a bottle of wine in my mind. Um, but now that I'm drinking one, I understand the beauty and the expression and the just the overall loveliness of what wine offers. It's not just a drink. It's an expression and a lifestyle. So I want you guys to kind of touch back on that a little bit and how you see it. I think Kate mentioned it perfectly during the break of how you were talking about. I already about- forgot what I said. <laughs> <laughs> the day-to-day picking up your kids. I, oh, yeah. It's it's the celebration of everyday successes. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, you, you get home and you want to open something that, uh, you know, is approachable. You want to enjoy it, but you don't want to geek out over it. I think, again, we wanted to make wine that's a winemaker's. Uh, approachable wine, but at the same time, we wanted something that was like, oh, this is lovely on a Wednesday afternoon at five o'clock and my kids are otherwise occupied outside. So I think I'm going to open a bottle of wine. Um, but it's, you know, we just wanted something that really basically spoke to the Lemon Valley and spoke to us as winemakers and spoke to our collaboration. So, and wine really is a lifestyle. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it can be just a little side drink or something that you enjoy once in a while, but it truly is a lifestyle, whether you cook with it, you celebrate with it, you cry with it, whatever the case is. And that has really been the beauty and the thing that I've learned in the way I really appreciate what you guys are doing with this line. Yeah, I agree. I think um, wine, I mean, once you go down the rabbit hole, right, you can get as geeky as you want with it. But at the end of the day, we all got into this industry, one, because we have adventurous spirits, but also because we wanted to build something through our hands and create something that we wanted to consume. And that's what brings us to the present. 
which I think is a beautiful way to kind of end that, you know, thought. But you guys have some amazing things going on that you're involved with, both at the wineries and outside. So let's touch base on that. Tell people where they can find you, um, both Chemistry Wines, Stoller, and Shehalem. Melissa had mentioned um, New Seasons has just picked up chemistry and has a pretty big display at the Tigard um, location for chemistry. And yeah, Shehalem has been around for many years. So Shehalem's retail is all over nationally and um, locally, but also at the tasting room in Newburgh. Yeah, it's yeah. Stiller Family Estate, similar to Shehalem, is across the U.S. in distribution in most states. And then we have a tasting room that's open seven days a week in Dayton. So it's open 11 to 5 every day. It was rated the number one tasting room <laughs> in America. <laughs> it is beautiful out there. <laughs> it is, it is very iconic it with the grain building or whatever mm-hmm. it is that is out there that has Stoller Family Wine painted on it, I think. Yeah. And the tire swing. It's iconic. Very iconic. Get your photo on Instagram by the tire swing. <laughs> I can only imagine the hashtag numbers that go yes. with that tire swing. Oh, yes. I wonder if we could calculate per weekend how many people sit on a tire swing. And get married, get proposed there. Yeah. You know, all sorts of things happen at Stiller Family. So State. hint, hint to anybody who's looking to propose, <laughs> that is a good spot. You just have to swat away all the children first. <laughs> yes. I know that you have a couple events coming up that are outside of Stoller's. Commission when we got our uh, state um, license for the tasting room there uh, was that my kids had to be around. And so, yeah, we have coloring books for kids. Uh, we try and make it uh, an all-inclusive atmosphere for families uh, and keep it really laid back and easygoing. Which that is so refreshing because it is really hard when you have small kids to find a babysitter to be able to go out and wine taste. Yes. Do you have anything going on for the holidays? Uh, We do. So through the month of December, every Sunday in December, we have Santa out there. uh, And so it's by appointment only. So you can go online to our website or CharleneVogel.com. She's my wife's sister and she's a phenomenal photographer. So we have Santa out there and we do family pictures with Santa. Uh, Wine tasting for the adults, hot chocolate for the kids, all kinds of activities and stuff like that. Uh, That's Sunday only and that's by appointment only. Perfect. Well, thank you, Chris, for joining us. It has been a pleasure. Um, have more visuals on what you guys do out there than I possibly need. Um, <laughs> but it's fantastic. Thank you. Keeping everything colorful. So thanks for joining us. Thank you for having us. Thank you for joining us for the second episode of Wine Crush Season 2. Have a great weekend, and we will see you at the bottom of the glass.